morning, Happy Valley, and welcome back to another edition of the Penn State 365 podcast. I'm your host, Richie Schneider, joined by Dylan Callahan-Crawley, our co-host. Dylan, uh, the season is over. It was relatively quick, I feel like. But, yeah, uh, it went quick. That's true. Yeah. I know another 10-1 season, some fans are pissed off, and by some, I mean all. Um, just give me your overall thoughts on uh, what happened this season and what, what you think uh, – of of the entire season, I don't think we saw your switch getting fired, so that's that's pretty new. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in quick, I the, against everybody they should beat, they dominated and won pretty handedly. It's mm-hmm. those are things you like to see out of a program like Penn State. But then on the other hand, two biggest games of the season, you came up short with two really disappointing offenses, offensive performances. You wasted mm-hmm. a. Uh, national championship caliber defense one of the best defenses we've seen in happy valley and um certainly in my lifetime um so one of the best penn state defenses ever um so i mean on one hand really damn good season but on the other hand as um i've had multiple people say to me uh fan from fans you know uh the tank games are great but if you don't beat at least one of Ohio State or Michigan, it, it's kind of a wasted season, especially, you know, in the current era of the college football playoffs. Now, starting next year, that's going to change. Uh, Penn State would be a playoff team this year, just like they would have been a playoff team in, what, five of the last seven years or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on one hand, really good, but I, you still – it's almost like stagnant. You, you, you still can't get over that hump. Yeah. Um I guess let's talk about some of the positives of this sure. team. Um, I guess we could call Drew a large season a positive. I mean, the numbers show he got a great, yeah. great impact on the team. It's just the I lack mean, of a long ball. And here's here's something that's really eye opening. Um, and I'm gonna pull it up here as uh, I talk about it. But I was looking at uh, Pro Football Focus's uh, advanced passing statistics, and if you look at Bo Nix and you look at uh, Drew, Drew's numbers um, from an advanced statistic standpoint, mm-hmm. the similarities are really, uh, really impressive um, for Drew. Uh, mm-hmm. So, in terms of big time throws, uh, PFF has Bo Nix at 17, Drew at 14. Uh, turnover worthy passes, Bo has three, Drew has four. Um, you know, Bo, Bo Nix has, is closing on 4,000 yards passing this year. His mm-hmm. average depth of target this year it was just uh, seven yards. Drew's this year was eight yards. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, the big difference between Drew right now and some of these Heisman Trophy candidates is that Drew doesn't have the wide receivers to make the plays after the catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Oregon's numbers, and uh, this may – some people may take this into account for Bo Nix's Heisman uh, candidacy, but I, I think two of Oregon's wide receivers have almost 50% of their yards after the catch this season. Um, but Bo has 1,500 more yards than Drew. And that's, you know, with the average depth of target being a whole yard less. And yeah. everything else really matches up. I, I think Bo probably does take a little bit more deep shots, but I, I think looking at that, you look at the big time throws, you look at the turnover worthy passes, mm-hmm. it, it's it's similar. There's a lot for there 
there's a lot there for Drew to build off of head into next year. And whether or not he shows what everybody wants him to show during the season next year in terms of passing uh, of the deep passes and, you know, making NFL throws week after week remains mm-hmm. to be seen. But at the same time, um, if he can, if he does what he did this year, next year, he's still going first round pick because at the end of the day, NFL, uh, you know, general managers and head coaches are going to look at a guy who, uh, you know, just had 27 touchdowns and two turnovers this season in yeah. his first year as a starting quarterback. And against yeah, yeah. Ohio State and Michigan, he had one turnover and no interception. And it was a fumble. It wasn't even an interception. Yeah, no, definitely a pretty big year for Drew. Um, even now that he lost his OC partially through the season, yeah. I guess more than midway through the season. Um, so yeah, that's definitely tough on the quarterback too because now he's going to have to learn a totally new offense. Um, yeah. I'm not even going to dive into OC talk right now, but uh, I guess some of the other positives of the team would probably be the defense, the the pass rush. You do, you probably name every fucking level of yeah. defense to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean uh, it's it's a sham that. Manny Diaz isn't a finalist for the Broyles Award. Um, Weird. After after the season that they put together, but you're talking about a top five defense in almost every statistical statistical category for mm-hmm. Penn State this year. Um, like I said, this was a national championship level national championship level defense that the offense unfortunately wasted. And I think James Franklin realizes that, and it is a big reason why Manny you're uh, Manny. Uh, Mike Yurcich is gone is, um, you know, he realizes how big those two games were this season uh, for Penn State and what this team could have accomplished because of this defense. And, you know, the, the offense couldn't get none, but the defense was, you know, phenomenal. Like I said, it's one of the best defenses we've seen in Happy Valley in uh, quite some time. Yeah. Um, I guess other positives. I'm trying to think. I guess we could switch back to the offense a little bit. The offensive line was pretty good this year, I thought. Yeah, the offensive line, you know, in the biggest games of the season, they they had struggles. some struggles. But for the most part, I, I thought you couldn't ask for much more out of the offensive line. The run blocking probably could have been better. That probably played a part in the running back struggles. But, you know, mm-hmm. Drew barely got hit. I mean, I think he took, like, 12 sacks this year. Yeah, which um, isn't bad at all. No, yeah, 12 sacks this year on um, only pressured, I think, about 10% of the time. You know, they did did a really good job. And mm-hmm. even against uh, Michigan, I thought they did a decent job, which was impressive. Uh, fortunately, couldn't do much against Ohio State. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for Trout Wine, I thought this was a, a, good, a good season for him. He's... Those first that first year or two was kind of a struggle, but now that he has his guys in there, he's had some time to work with these guys extensively. You can see uh, it, it paid off this year. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely been a, a season of positives. I don't want to harp too much on the negative, but I, I, I would guess... I, I would say one more uh, positive would be the special teams uh, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex yeah. Falcons goes from an inconsistent FCS kicker who mm-hmm. I think made. 67% of his kicks at Columbia mm-hmm. to one of the better kickers in the Big Ten was very consistent for Penn State was a, a quite a you know bright light on what still a good season but kind of a, what would be a rather disappointing season um uh, Riley Thompson you know 
got better as the season went on was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there, there's, I believe an opportunity he could return. There's, I know questions about his eligibility, um, but I think there's a, there's a chance he could return. Falcons is out of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Daquan Hardy, you know, on the pun return uh, was uh, once he took over after that UMass game was pretty good as well. Uh, but yeah. I, I thought Stacy Collins uh, has done a really nice job with Penn State special teams since he got here. And mm-hmm. uh, this was a really good year for that special team. But now we can talk about uh, the negatives for sure. Yeah, um, real quick on the special teams. I, I do have to question what the hell happened in the beginning of the season. Why was Hardy not back there in the beginning of the season? Why was Falcons not yeah. the main kicker at the beginning of the season? Sure. It's like uh, definitely big question marks, but they, they did seem to adjust relatively quickly, especially at kicker, and yeah, it, it ended I mean, up paying off. It took it took half a game for Falcons to yeah. really take over that starting kicking job. And yeah. then, yeah, with Hardy, yeah, you know, it's not even – this season, Hardy never returned a punt until the UMass game mm-hmm. and then returned two in the, the UMass game, almost returned a punt. Uh, he almost returned two more, I think, over the course of the remainder of the season. Uh, yeah. But Franklin says it goes back to consistency and practice and such. But um, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's why we're not college coaches because you, you think you'd just put your you know best playmaker, especially one that <laughs> – over the last few years, Hardy's been an important piece, but he hasn't been, you know, that hugely vital piece that you can't really risk getting injured. Um, but you know, there's Nick Singleton on kick return. So, yeah, I, I always, I'm always in the boat of putting your best player back there, our best athlete back there specifically, just playmakers. because it's such a playmaker. Play, yeah, yeah, yeah it's just such a plays. such a game changing effect when you have a good kick or punt returner. Yeah. It, it makes such a difference, and just even if it's like. Not, I'm not saying touchdowns every time, but even like a 20, 30 yard return past that, that stupid 25 yard mark that they give them now. Yeah. Um, even it makes such a difference. Especially when there's an, you know, an offense that, that struggles to move the ball sometimes, those extra 20, 20 yards, 15, 20 yards can make a whole lot of a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, unfortunately, we're going to have to harp on the negatives a bit. Um, I don't even want to talk about the two games specifically. I want to talk about the offensive play calling. It, yeah, sure. it seems like it was just abysmal this year under Yursich. And Franklin kind of threw some shade at Yursich, I feel like, in the postgame press conference this weekend. Yeah. Saying, hey, we wanted to play two quarterbacks the entire time. Yeah, and, he's, maybe definitely, he's definitely been throwing some shade at him over the last few weeks since that mm-hmm. Michigan game. And, uh, and I get it. I mean, it, those two games – stop Penn State from being a college even Penn State wins one of those games they may be a college yeah. ball playoff team right um, because they're you'd be hard to find a resume that's better than Penn State with a win over a top 25 Iowa and a win over a top 10 team in Michigan Ohio State they may be a playoff team still um, mm-hmm. and those two performances in those games were absolutely abysmal some two of the worst games we've seen in the James Franklin era from an offense and yeah. Uh, like I said, the, again, the defense was national championship caliber. If that offense has a life beat for a majority of the season, or at least in the two biggest games of the season, we could be talking about Penn State competing for a national championship this year. Because you look around college football, I'm not sure there's really an elite team in college football right now. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Washington's undefeated, but Washington has almost lost for four, four five straight weeks. Uh, Georgia is obviously really good, but they're not the juggernaut they have been, it seems, over the last few years. And I I think Michigan's good, but 
I look at Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and they all kind of feel like the same team. Uh, you know, it it just comes down to Ohio State has Marvin Harrison Jr., Penn State doesn't, and then what for Michigan, it, that offensive line is just better than everybody else's, and that that's a huge part of that. But um, yeah, yeah, the offensive play calling though wasn't pretty pretty bad, and I, I thought it was it was solid uh, the last two games of the season, but too mm-hmm. too late at that point. Yeah. Um, safe assumption, and this is just based off what you know and what you've been told. I'm assuming neither of those guys is going to be the offensive coordinator next year. Yeah, I'm... I mean, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I just, I just don't know if you can risk risk not bringing in an OC that has extensive experience in doing mm-hmm. so. Um, because I. You answered a fact or fiction on the side today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if this hire doesn't go right for James Franklin, it could he be on thin ice? And I absolutely think that's that's fact. Uh, if the buyout for James Franklin is going to be significant, not significantly, but it's going to be quite lower in about three years. Um, and this offense, this offense coordinator will obviously get at least two two years at this. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, then I mean that that spells a lot of bad news for James Franklin. Um, so I, I just, I, I get why some people want Sider to be the OC trying to keep him around, but I don't think you need to absolutely. I don't think if he's not OC, he's not sticking around. Um, mm-hmm. Would it help? Yeah, sure. It, it definitely would help. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think a necessarily equals B here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd be more concerned of Cider getting an OC job somewhere else, especially sure. because it seems like Florida is going to purge their staff or already started to on the defensive side, at least. Um, I agree. And then I think that's one to watch out for. I think he's very close with Fran Brown. I don't think it happens, but if Fran Brown, I shouldn't say this. I think Fran Brown gets a sacred, so does sacred heart, the Syracuse job. And I know he's very close with Fran Brown. I don't think he would join Fran Brown in Syracuse, but I know they're very close to each yeah. other. Nor do I think Syracuse has the budget to outbid Penn State. Yeah, and that's the thing. Penn State, the assistant salary pool has gone up significantly. Uh, money, and that's everything. Money doesn't seem to be a factor in this offensive coordinator search. So if it's not, a, I'm not now. That doesn't mean Penn State's going to go out out and hire mm-hmm. an offense coordinator, pay him, you know, re- groundbreaking numbers like three, four, five million. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the highest paid coordinators in college football. Based off the numbers we know right now, are about two, two point two, two point three million. That's mm-hmm. Riley Garrett down at Clemson, uh, Ryan Grubb at Washington's in that two million range as well. And I'm sure Manny Diaz on the defense side of the ball is going to be near that two million dollars. Maybe is right now, or maybe next year. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about Cider jumping ship to a. Uh, Syracuse right now, it just it doesn't make sense. No, he say I don't think Syracuse being OC at Syracuse gets him closer to a head coaching job than um, being you know the as assistant head coach, associate head coach, uh, mm-hmm. running backs coach, co offense coordinator. Penn State, he's going to have that co offense coordinator title still, um, and he's going to going to be paid a very nice salary to do so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wouldn't be worried about that. Um, but, yeah, that Syracuse one is going to be interesting. I'm not sure there's anybody on staff that uh, 
Fran Brown would take, but uh, that that would be one to watch just because of uh, the proximity. Yeah, I know we've I've mentioned it on our boards already, so we can mention it on here. Um, Quill Mod, uh, New Jersey guy, worked with Fran at uh, at Rutgers. Actually, ended up working at Syracuse for several years, where he kind of built his brand up a little more. Yeah, right before he jumped to Penn State. Jumped, yeah, jumped to Penn State. Now again, I do think Penn State would probably go back at him and be like, "Hey, you're not leaving. Like, here's yeah. an offer." Especially because they've been cleaning up in New Jersey since he yeah. he got into town. Yeah, I know Jamie Matthews isn't committed anymore, but he was committed. Um, so that's one. Then you got DJ McClary, Vabu Toure in 2024, DJ McClary in 2025, uh, Amari Gaines. Gaines in 2025. And they're also doing very well with several others in Jersey, like mm-hmm. Jameer Joseph, who's a top uh, DB, Quincy Porter, top wide receiver, um, Kamar Archie's a top 250 kid who's probably going to move up into that 150 range, I was told. Um, so th- there's a bunch of other names too. Desi Jones is yeah. going to be a four star eventually. There's so many Jersey kids in these upcoming classes, and I, I keep saying 2025 for New Jersey is the deepest it's been in like a long time. Yeah, and um, it, it it really worked out well for Penn State that they brought on Ahmad right when New Jersey recruit, New Jersey's prospect pool was filling back up because for a while there Penn State wasn't recruiting New Jersey, but at the same time, and you know more than I, but it, it felt like for a while, for a few years there, the talent level in New Jersey kind of took a little bit of a dip compared mm-hmm. to where it was in the early 2010s, mid-2010s. It took a little bit of a dip, but now, like you said, 2025 is insanely deep. 2024 was a good cycle, uh, and it, it looks like it's it's getting back to where it was in those in 2010 and well on before that as well. Yeah, I know in the past they've used to use, lose a lot of guys, like say, uh, for example, James Hurd and Kyle McCord. These are yeah. guys, are Jersey guys, that end up going to St. Joe's Prep over the border of Pennsylvania, and now they're starting to stick closer to home now and staying with yeah. their hometowns or one of the premier Catholic or prep programs throughout the state. So, yeah. And, I mean, Penn State was in there um, for bigger names, you know, going up there. They were right in there for guys like Jabil Peppers and Rashawn Gary mm-hmm. way back when, too, and, you know, just miss those types of guys too. So, um, yeah, got a second chance here with a mob, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that Syracuse job. But, uh, it'll mm-hmm. be interesting. Yeah, that's one to keep an eye on. Um, in terms of offensive coordinator name specifically, I know we've been told Joe Moorhead's a little bit on the, on the back burner for now. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to call him a fallback option, but it does. I, I think I think he's a candidate, a legitimate candidate, but I think that there's definitely a couple guys that James may have uh, above Joe. And if those guys don't work out, mm-hmm. I think he's very much comfortable with going with Moorhead. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. I, I want to signal or single, single in on uh, two specific names. Um, Colin Klein, Kansas state offensive coordinator for the past two seasons, former QB slash co-OC, former quarterback coach, blah, 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 blah. The the titles on Kansas state go on and on, but he was recruited to Kansas state by James Franklin. Now he runs one of the better offenses in the country. Um, just tell me a little bit about him. Yeah. I mean, former Heisman finalist there at Kansas state was recruited by James Franklin, uh, there, Mm -hmm. um, now, he signed after Franklin left, but he committed to Franklin and and Ricky Ronnie at the time um, mm-hmm. at Kansas State. Um, yeah, he's, he's been, you know, around the block now for a few years in the coaching circles. He uh, 
was out, I think, at Northern Iowa before he uh, went to Kansas State. Uh, but yeah, Kansas State, the last two years, they've developed one of the better offenses in all of college football, developed Will Howard into a top of the line quarterback. Howard just entered the transfer portal yesterday. Um, and as of right now, is going to be probably the top name in the portal. Uh, I know Tyler yeah. Van Dyke down in Miami also entered the portal, but uh, Howard's going to be that guy that, you know, everybody's vying to land this year. Uh, could he land at somewhere like a Michigan who, you know, J.J. McCarthy's gone. Oregon mm. uh, is going to need a quarterback after Bo Nix is gone. Um, so I'm, there's a good chance we may see Will Howard play Penn State next year, uh, I, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kansas State's been really impressive offensively. Klein um, has definitely risen in the offense coordinator ranks as mm-hmm. uh, over these last years because of that. And, He's also a pretty good recruiter um, well, and developer. Will Howard wasn't, you know, the highest level recruit. He he got developed into a very good quarterback. Uh, he mm-hmm. was able to have a quality offense as well with uh, Adrian Martinez, who we know who he was based on his time in Nebraska. Uh, they have a really young quarterback right now, Avery Johnson, who's been impressive when he has played and uh, mm-hmm. is expected to be pretty, pretty good for the Wildcats. So, We'll see. I, I'm sure it, it may be a little hard to pry him from Manhattan just because that's, you know, his alma mater, alma mater. And he he may just want to be there until he can become a head coach. But uh, Penn State has the money. That being said, Penn State has the money to outbid Kansas State if it comes down to a money thing. And mm-hmm. as we've just learned in the Big Ten, you know, the alma mater thing is great, but it, it's not a uh, – a, you know, a stranglehold. Jonathan Smith was, you know, an Oregon State alum, played, was an Oregon State folk hero for uh, what he was yeah. able to do on the football field, was seen as the savior of the program for the last five years, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And then now he's seen as a, um, <laughs> um, yeah, as, a, as, you know, as a traitor, as a Judas. So yeah. it's. Yeah, he's a. Uh... That's a rough one. Um, now, another guy on the opposite side of the state. I actually don't know if it's on the opposite side of the state. I don't know where Lawrence is, but uh, compared to Manhattan. But regardless, it's still Within in Kansas. Yeah, it's somewhere in there in that weird state that no one really goes to. Um, <laughs> Kansas hate there. Uh, Anthony Koltanecki. Koltanecki. Uh, yeah. Offensive coordinator Kansas has been the offensive coordinator for Lance Leipold since 2013, dating back to their days at Wisconsin-Whitewater, went to Buffalo with them, now at Kansas with them. Making a mil per year, I think Penn State could easily outbid that one, right? Yeah, and Col- well, Colton Nicky is somebody we've had on the bo- our hot board for quite a while now, Yeah, um, since day one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now will, will he uh, make the – what do you think the jump is is the question because you look at his history this is a guy who's only ever been with um Lance Leipold is he willing to move, you know stay with is he willing to move off the Lance Leipold coaching staff before he gets mm-hmm. his own head coaching opportunity yeah. that's the major question he he is definitely loyal to Lance Leipold. Um, he was with the, he's with them at Kansas. He was with them at Buffalo, and then what? They were at Wisconsin Whitewater together. I believe that's what they were. Yeah. Um, so I mean, he's been with him for over a decade. I think at this point, Penn State I think could a- absolutely outbid Kansas, but 
I'm just not sure that Colton Nicky really wants to leave Leipold. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a good thing going there. And, you know, Lance doesn't seem like he's going to get a new job this year. But yeah. he, he he's not going to be at Kansas forever. He's going to be at a pretty big Power 5 school mm-hmm. sooner than later, probably next year at this time. So would he yeah. rather jump to Penn State or would he rather, you know, roll the dice and see what happens now? Next year can go extremely poorly, and it, it, they all get stuck at Kansas. But yeah, uh, based off what we've seen out of Kansas, that doesn't seem like the case. But who knows? I mean, no, he's turned he made Kansas bowl eligible for the first time since two thousand eight. Yeah. So it's it's very impressive. Um, Absolutely, he was he was also nominated for the Broyles Award last year. He yeah. he was a, a great great OC. The interesting thing with him and, and Leipold too, and I think Leipold's just holding out for a solid and I, I mean yeah. I mean a solid Big Ten job. Um because they are Midwest natives. Like uh Leipold's a Wisconsin guy through and through. Uh Coltonicki's a, a Minnesota native but coached at Wisconsin, not at Wisconsin specifically, but their sister campuses in River yeah. Falls and Whitewater for several years. Yeah. I think both of them are gonna end up in the Big Ten eventually. It's just a matter of when, not if um, and it sounded like Leipold was a serious candidate for Michigan State before it all kind of went uh, to Smith. Yeah, I, he definitely was among the names discussed. I also know Mike Elko was among uh, the top mm-hmm. candidates there. And oh yeah, we'll see how that you know Michigan State stuff goes. Uh, I've it, it's been very interesting at least for me because you know I get to also cover Oregon State for uh, our Oregon State sister side. And I help out the Michigan State side with some recruiting stuff as well here and there. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting to be on both sides of that because there's, uh, there's a, lot, a lot of different opinions from both sides. But, of course. Uh, um, one thing I want to touch on before we go any further into this year's team, and I guess I'm not even in this year's team, the offseason. Um, yep. We talked about it, I think, last time. I think we mentioned it last time. We might not have. Manny Diaz, Duke. I know you've mentioned it actually yeah. before, I think, anyone. And then all of a sudden, it's on The Athletic. It's on somewhere else. It's here and there. It it makes sense. For sure. For sure. The Athletic. I, I felt like, you know, I'm that was something that I immediately, had, when Elko left, I immediately identified, obviously, posted mm-hmm. on Twitter. I was texting you about it. And then for a while, nobody else, you know, in the country was really kind of talking about it. So I just mm-hmm. felt like, okay, maybe I'm just totally off base here. Uh, but then we saw uh, Bruce Feldman post uh, him on uh, his big board for Duke, and mm-hmm. I felt better about that. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's definitely a a job that makes sense for Manny Diaz. Uh, he's spent time in the South. He's spent time in North Carolina with North Carolina State. Now, that was back when he was a a GA, and I think he may have had a short stint as a linebackers coach or DC there as well. Um, mm. But uh, it, Manny obviously is somebody who I think enjoys being in the South. I'm not sure exactly how much he enjoys being in a place where you walk outside yeah. and your face hurts <laughs> from being outside. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what it's like in New Jersey, but the last few days it's, in yeah. Central Pennsylvania it's, have been pretty pretty cold. It's um, the same. But uh, yeah, I think that's a job that that definitely would make sense, and he would he would have interest in. Uh, Elko set a really nice foundation there. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a place where I think you can have success, and you don't need to have success for an extended period of time. It is going to be a stepping stone job for most likely e- eternity. 
David Cutcliffe was there for a long time, but I don't see Manny Diaz, you know, going to Duke and being like, this is where I want to be the rest of my career. Um, but you tell you, fans that, but yeah, you just, yeah, not really. It, it's not, a, it's not like James Franklin at a Penn State job. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. and even James Franklin, you know, at, or if you believe all the rumors, has flirted with other jobs, but that also yeah, comes just being with the, being a head coach. But I mean, you look beyond this year if he doesn't take the Duke job. Um, other coaches that are on the hot seat, obviously, Lincoln Riley is on the hot seat. I think there's obviously. There's there's a betting board that came out probably I think it was Ben Online, uh, who ranks uh, who put Riley as the best odds to be the next coach fired. Um, he's not going to get Crazy. the USC job, um, but there's Arkansas now that could be an intriguing job. Florida is mm-hmm. going to open up in a, probably next year. I don't think Bill Napier is going to turn that thing around. I said the same thing about Neil Brown though, so who knows? Uh, but Florida Shocked could open up. Him. I don't think I think Baylor possibly opens up, but I don't know if Baylor goes back to back DCs. Um, but there's, there's basically there's going to be notable coaching jobs up next year. So does he want to? If he gets offered the Duke job, does he want to take Duke or does he want to roll the dice and get potentially take a shot at one of the little bit bigger jobs next year? Or in the case of Florida, a mm-hmm. whole lot bigger. I mean, if would Florida be interested? Who knows? But uh, it would make sense in terms of he, you know, he's a Florida guy. Uh, he's a damn good coordinator. Uh, obviously, Billy yeah. Napier, who uh, is from the offense side of the ball, hasn't been working out. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I'd be interested, and that would be a case where you would then have to worry about Sider becoming an offense coordinator at Florida. But at Florida, <laughs> but yeah, I think overall. Duke makes sense for Manny Diaz. I'm not sure if he's interested, but the question for him is if you get offered, do you take the Duke job this year or do you roll the dice, wait till next year, see what happens with Penn State's defense, which is going to lose quite a bit of talent, but should still be very good and see if you can get a bigger job. Duke actually pays a lot more than I thought they would. They pay $7 million a year to Elko. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not a... It's better paying than I thought yeah, for them. Yeah, absolutely. For, for hoop absolutely. school, I should say. Yeah. Um, definitely interesting there. Um, we'll have to keep an eye out on that because there is always ton of movement. No, I shouldn't say a ton of movement. There's always some type of movement in the coaching staff every offseason, whether yeah. it be off the field roles mostly. But even last year, I don't know if we saw a wide receivers coach coming in and it ended up happening. So. Yeah, and I mean, that didn't happen until what, April? mid, late January. January Was it January? I don't even yeah. remember. Jeez. Um, yeah, so you just got to keep an eye out for those things. But uh, something to definitely monitor between the, the two coordinator spots, um, one that's currently open and one that could be open. But I want to move on to go back to talking about the team. I want to play stay or go, little game. All um, right, stay or go. I'm, I'm going to name these juniors. Actually, I'm going to give you three options. Stay, go, transfer. Stay, go, transfer. Um, I'm going to name the juniors that have eligibility to leave after now that the season's over um, and just basically – you can give me a quick synopsis if they're going to stay, they're going to go, or they they could enter the portal. Sure. Um, number one, we're just going to go through running or through the position by position. So we'll just start with Trey Potts, uh, yeah. Pennsylvania guy, back yeah. back in PA. Yeah, that's a tough one. Obviously, just transferred in last offseason from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Had a nice role. Had a nice show this year, but didn't have the biggest role. Mm-hmm. 
I would lean stay, but I think this is one where the coaching staff sits down and tells him, you know, where he's probably going to be in the pecking order next year because you're going to bring you're, – you're going to have Cam Wallace, you're going to have London Montgomery, who both redshirted this year, and mm-hmm. then you're bringing in Quinn and Martin. Um, so do they see him having a role next year? Uh, I'll, I'll lean stay right now, but I, I could see him – I could see him going. I, I, I don't know if he would transfer, but maybe he takes, um, again, a roll of the dice, takes a chance on the NFL or one of the other uh, pro leagues. See, if it wasn't for his injury history, I think he'd go pro. But he's obviously significant That's, injury history, yeah. which makes me think we could see him either stay or portal just because yeah. he could get one last shot somewhere. And I think he could start for a couple of like the lower power five. Yeah. And, and that's why I was a little, su- I wasn't surprised that he ended up Penn state, but uh, when he entered the portal from Minnesota, I thought he, you know, this is a guy who can go to quite a bit of schools and become a starting running back. Cause mm-hmm. he was really good when healthy at Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I, I definitely agree that if he does portal, he'll have his opportunities to have a much bigger role than he will at Penn State because, let's be honest, bar an injury, he's not going to be the number one. He's not going to be the number two. And we'll see which uh, true freshman next year or retro freshman takes, uh, you know, the reins of that number three spot if it's not Pops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he showed some burst this year, though. I'm impressed. Um, Next one might be the toughest one. Dante Cephas. I think he has to stay. I don't think he developed his draft stock at all, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest. So I think he has to stay, which uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, we often said early on, you know, this is a guy who came in last January that this season may go differently. But mm-hmm. it was clear as the season went on, he just couldn't get a grasp of the playbook. So that kind of an excuse kind of goes off at the door because, I mean, if you're not getting the playbook five months into the season, when, when are you going to be able to grasp it? But I, I think he has to stay, which I think he could have a really nice season next year. I do. Yeah. I think it was more so when I say it's the most complicated one is because he could technically go back in the portal and go somewhere else. He could, he could, but is he going to end up at a better place than Penn state after this year? I, I just don't know if like, will Penn state replace him is more so my question, I guess. It's also a good. One. Yeah. So, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith has he peaked enough to go to the NFL? Does he can he improve his draft stock more? Uh, this is this is fifty fifty. I can see him going to the NFL. I can see him going to Penn State, uh, staying at Penn State. You know, it's just the inconsistencies, man. It's he one week can look like, uh, and I think he finished top five, top ten in receiving yards in the Big Ten. But <laughs> he, he's somebody who can be a dominant number one wide receiver, but just isn't consistent enough to do it. Um, I probably lean him. I, I really don't know what to think on this one. This one, see, this is the one that's really <laughs> toughest for me. Yeah, because I, I honestly don't think he's like if I was an NFL GM, I wouldn't draft him before maybe the late fourth round because he's going to test yeah. decently well. So, I guess right now I lean towards him going pro, but mm-hmm. I think he really should stay i tend to agree with you i think he's conf- he has enough confidence to go pro i'll tell you that much the kids and lose his confidence but then and the question for penn state stat for penn state is just do you want do you want him back 
uh, I, I lean towards probably yes, because you really have no other answers. At least you know kind of what you're getting out of him. Well, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. It, you're getting a guy who can be really good, just inconsistent. Um, yeah. But do you want to go through those inconsistencies again this year? Um, like, how? I guess for Penn State, how much worse off is the wide receiver room with or without chaos next year is what they have to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they feel like it's not that much worse off, maybe they suggest him going to the NFL. Yeah. I, I feel like he beats up on Porter's defense too. I know he finished eighth. It was 673 yeah. yards, but 123 versus West Virginia, 96 versus Maryland, and 90, or 95 versus Maryland, 96 versus Indiana. So what? that's like, Half your games, half your yeah, three, half three the, games, half your yards. Uh, yeah, against shit defenses. So it's like, and then he doesn't show up against like Illinois. He puts up twenty three, and it's like, and then what? what Ohio State, Michigan. He had a combined combined fifty eight yards on seven catches. Six yeah. of those yards in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't show up in big time, and that's an issue. He, so. And that was the problem with Penn State's wide receivers all year is that I think they have really, two really good, maybe even three, decently good number two, number three guys in KLS, mm-hmm. Wallace, and Cephas. They just have no true number one guy to go to. Uh, if they had a Mitchell Tinsley this year, I think this, oh, well, this team yeah. could have won one of those games. Yeah, of course. Um Mitch, who I don't know what he's doing in the NFL. I haven't really looked uh, practice squad. Practice squad with uh, he may be on fifty three, but he's I think last time I checked, he was with the Commanders. Yeah. Um. Next up, Week Mega. Uh, four seasons now, nine games played, like three catches. Uh, I think the writing's on the Malik wall. Mega. A bit there. I just can't believe Malik Mega still has eligibility. Um. Yeah, he technically twenty twenty didn't count, so yeah. he has one more year. Uh, yeah, special teams, you know, you can't, it's hard to replace special teams aces and he's, you know, he's, he's that, and he's a, been a captain, good locker room guy. You gotta, I think you gotta keep that type of stuff around. I, I, I can't believe he's only been, it's four years, but it felt like a lot longer, yeah. but that's uh, weird. Yeah. Cause that first year never counts for anyone now. And it's yeah. COVID messed everything up. It's so wacky. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think he stays around just because invaluable on special teams and uh, team captain. Uh, and even if he True. doesn't perform on the field beyond special teams, having that type of team captain, that leader in the locker room, is is very important to have. Very true. Um, this one's a weird one. He's entering. He's also entering year four now. Uh, but he transferred in last off season. A lot of hype on him. Malik McLean, uh, stay transfer go. I mean, um, I don't- I think he goes. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he goes or transfers because I, I don't think he'd be a graduate transfer yet. So, yeah. um, if maybe if he, now nah, he's staying. He's staying. He's staying. Yeah. Uh, now disappointing season for sure. Uh, you know, looked really good in that West Virginia game, and then disappeared for most of the season. So disappointing, but we'll see if he likes Steve as he can take that step in his development this year because I think six four two oh six. It's yeah, really good size and he's good speed, and you know we'll see. But uh, yeah, definitely a disappointing season for him. But I think he stays. Yeah, not a not a great one for him at all. Um, next up, it's an intriguing one. Uh, it's kind of a duo, I guess. I'm gonna lump these ones together: Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. 
Do you think they both stay, both go, one stays, one goes? Um, I think Theo goes. Yeah. Uh, I, Theo's numbers have never really been eye-opening, but he's going to go to the combine. He's going to test pretty well, and he's going to end up being a third-round draft pick, maybe even sneaking in the second round. You're going to look at the physical mm-hmm. tools. You're going to look at the measurements. I think he's going to go on to the NFL, have a decently nice career. Um, may not be he, – he may be limited in the NFL because he can only really be a pass catcher, but mm-hmm. I think he's a really good pass catcher. Um, and I think he could have had a better year with better play calling. Um, so I think he goes. I mm-hmm. think Tyler Warren returns. And with Theo, I just don't know if him staying really raises his draft stock much. Um, True. Tyler Warren, uh, I think definitely can. I, I think definitely raises draft stock more. Um, maybe being that number one wide receiver tight end next year. So I, I think he's true. Does. Yeah, he did finish uh, fifth among tight. Oh no, sixth among tight ends in terms of uh, yardage this year for the Big Ten. Okay. Leo Johnson finished fifth. Um, so I mean, they're both right there. Like yeah, they're both, both are very, very good. Similar. Both are going to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Tyler Warren might have the higher ceiling. Which is a good yeah, thing if he returns. I mean, Theo Johnson's a good athlete, but Tyler Warren's kind of a freak athlete. Yeah. Um, offensive line room, there's a lot of them, so I'm just going to name them off and just give me a quick stay-go transfer. Yeah. Um, Golden Israel Chumba. One of those guys who seems to be a pretty big locker room guy, so I'm going to lean towards mm-hmm. stay. But, see, those are one of the I, – I, I think having those in locker room guys is important, so I'm going to say so. Nick Dawkins. Uh, he's aligned to be a star, potential starter at center next year. Stay. True. Uh, Olu Fashnu. We were I mean, surprised he stayed last year. Um, <laughs> I don't think Penn State's getting lucky two years in a row. Yeah. Um, JB Nelson. Stay. Yeah, I kind of figured that. Uh, Traor, Traori, Traori. I don't know how to pronounce Traor, that. Um, stay. Oh, really? I think that. I was a little intrigued to see if he stays or not. Um, the toughest one among this whole line group, probably Caden Wallace. I'm going to lean, I'm gonna lean off to NFL. I think he did a good job at raising his draft stock this year. Did Was one of Ben Zayt's better uh, offensive linemen all year. So I'm going to say uh, he goes off to NFL. Ooh, okay, that's, that's an interesting one. But uh, it makes sense based on... Uh, some of the previous guys Penn State's got in the league, so and they have a, a little track record growing. Yeah, and it's it's with Caden Wallace. Your stock is at probably a oh definitely at an all time high. Yeah, I think you risk losing stock more than you risk gaining it next year. So yeah, uh, defensive ends Fisher. Stud. Yeah, I figured that one. Uh, Chop Robinson. I think we know the answer here. Yeah, he's off the NFL. Yep, first round pick. Probably yep. one of, if not the first edge rusher off the board. Yeah, it'd be um, one of the f- first few at least. Yeah, I know they're projecting him like 17, 18-ish right now, but I yeah. think he goes higher. I, I think once he tests, he'll go higher. Yeah, of course. Uh, Amin Vanover. Uh, stay. I, I think he's in line to be a, a starter next year for Penn State. And, uh, you know, we've been saying that for a while. Yeah, he's been, <laughs> feels like he's been here for a long, long time. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, you should start. Uh, opposite of deny Dennis Sutton next year. Uh, so I think he's dead. 
going to be a cool one. Um, Alonzo Ford, you just assume based yeah, on injury? Yeah, I, I, I'd assume he's staying around unless he wants to hang up the cleats, not playing this year because of that injury. Um, you know, it, it didn't end up really being a huge factor for Penn State. The defense tackle stepped up, but uh, they're mm-hmm. going to lose some DTs this year, so uh, him yeah. coming back, it will be big for them. Hakeem, D, uh, Devon, it's, yeah. Yep. It's going to be rough. They're gone. But uh, Kaziah Izzard. Probably stay. Probably stays. It's he's one of those guys, kind of like KLS on the even side of the ball, flashes a ton, but just doesn't always have the consistency you'd like. Um, I'd probably lean towards him staying, but I wouldn't. I it, it's staying or transferring, but I think I'd say probably staying. Okay. Um, linebackers, Tyler Elston. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people who, who want me to say one thing, but um, I will Lee, say stay Lee, for Lee, now. Lee, damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of people are not happy with his play, and rightfully so. It's been bad. Yeah, he's. I, I think he's somebody who he's fine in short bursts uh, in certain situations, but. He definitely struggles against the more athletic teams uh, yeah. like Ohio State, like Michigan. Yeah, that was shown pretty obviously. Um, Curtis Jacobs, interesting one. Yeah, I think he's off the NFL. I think he can. I think he's going to be a second round draft pick. Maybe could sneak into top forty draft picks after he yeah. tests at the combine. Yeah, he had a lot of preseason hype. I remember and. Yeah. I really didn't see it as like a second day pick, and then all of a sudden he had this season. I'm like, all right, never mind. They they saw something I didn't like. It yeah, was just uber athletic linebacker. Yeah, um, Kalen King probably. Yeah, that's the, that, that's kind of the tough one, isn't it? Um, yeah, because you look um, and uh, I forget if he's a junior off the top of my head, but you you look at a yeah. uh, you know. Uh, Johnny Dixon and Johnny mm-hmm. Dixon absolutely is going to the NFL. He has raised his draft stock a ton. Yeah. He's going to the NFL. Kalen King, his draft stock arguably fell quite a bit this season because mm-hmm. he he was good to start. And then he had a three week stretch where he was just getting burned and burned and burned. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him. I think he goes to the NFL because he's still going to be a at worst, a day two draft pick. Yeah. But does if he thinks he could get back into that first round conversation, I could see him returning. That would be big for Penn State. Mm-hmm. I, I still huge. think. Sorry, he's a really good player, but um, I'd say I'd say right now I'd go to NFL. Yeah, because there is a big question mark at corner next year with Dixon, Harding, and potentially King on. So yeah, that 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 that's gonna be the make or break spot of this defense next year. The linebackers will be fine. Um, mm-hmm. because you you lose Curtis Jacobs, but Tony Rojas should be able to step up next year into a really big role. Um, yeah. You have Keon Wiley, who's flash as well. Um, but corner, I guess King, King could technically leave too. At, at a yeah, both linebacker. Kings could technically leave, but I think yeah. I think Kobe stays. Yeah, I, I didn't even think to name the redshirt sophomores to be honest with you, but or well, they'll be third year redshirt juniors next year. But yeah. Um, last but not least, among the juniors, uh, Reed. At safety. 
Yeah, he's I think he good stays, but he's – I mean, they got probably one more year with him because he's he's going to be off to the NFL, I think, after next year. Maybe he's a guy who stays four years. But, uh, yeah, Jalen yeah. Reed's been – well, I guess next year will be four years. But, yeah, yeah Jalen Reed's been really awesome. impressive. Um, I think he's – Penn State's in a very, very good spot, I'll say, at safety next year with him, with um, Zachy Wheatley, and then K.J. Yeah. Winston. I mean, they got – at least two bona fide NFL safeties in Winston and Reed. And I think mm-hmm. Wheatley very much can be in the NFL as well. Um, but yeah, they're in a very good, as much as there's question marks about cornerback next year, I think they're in a really, really good spot at safety. Yeah. They've, they've been phenomenal on at DB recently. Um, yeah. And it just, it goes to show you based on that. <laughs> I'm playing. There's very few schools the last few years that have been producing safeties to the level that Penn State has. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's Ju- incredible. I mean, Jaquan, uh, Jair, and now you got two or three more guys um, who could go to the NFL next year in 2020 for the 2025 draft. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, they're, they're doing it at all three levels of the defense, let's be honest. Yeah. So. Um, that's, that's all I got really for the stay go game thing that we were playing. Um, I, that's really it. We're starting to run long on this one. So yeah, trying to, I'm trying I'm to just, wrap it up, but I'm just any final thoughts? yeah, I'm just looking through seeing if there's any other guys that I think maybe, you know, could, could potentially leave or, uh, I thought maybe, and I, he, he won't because of his brother, but Liam Clifford. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think. That's an interesting one. I, I think guys who are in interesting spots are like uh, who are in the interesting spot of stay, maybe not have the role you expect or go somewhere else. Um, like Keaton Ellis, um, Tyrese Mills. I thought that was an interesting one. Like though, and and Ellis is Keaton Ellis is a senior, but I believe he has one more year of eligibility. Um, yeah. They could, uh, yeah, because he might have redshirted this year. Um, let me Did see he here. Redshirt this year. How much Keaton else play? Uh, Daquan Hardy, I believe, has a sixth year, um, remaining as well. I'm counting only five years for him. So, I mean, that's a guy who could very much, mo- <clears throat> very well go into the NFL, be a draft pick, or he could return. That would be big for them. Um, Ellis didn't play it. He played a decent amount this year, but didn't play a huge, huge amount of snaps. Um, you are right. Hardy does technically have another year. But uh, Hardy's, you know, an int- in a very interesting spot as well. I-, I think they only have one guy who's really a six-year senior, and that's Hunter Norzad. Um, uh, Salim Wormley? I-, I think Salim may have – I think he has – that six year, and now all those nineteen uh, one. at twenty twenty played. Oh, he missed it. Yeah, no, he has one more too. You're right. So I mean, wow. you you look at all those fifth year guys who have maybe that six year, um, but he can't he can't keep all of them. I mean, and this is the really crappy part for head coach in college football is the talk. There's some hard conversations you're going to have to have with a lot of these guys, um, whether they're redshirt seniors or guys who you you got to say like, hey, 
this is the situation. You're probably not going to play a ton next year. Um, you know, I'll, I'll finish with this. Deion Sanders got a lot of crap last year for the whole telling guys, hey, you got to go. You're not going to have a place here. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of crap for it because it, it, it got out. But that's what happens pretty much around the country. Some coaches are a little bit nicer about it, but that, that's that's what happens across the country. This is tough conversation season. Yeah, it is uh, definitely not easy. Does it? Oh, wow, their defensive tackles all return mostly, right? They regularly they could all return, but they could. Yeah, but I, I think you look at guys like Devon Ellis, like a Hakeem Beeman, um, whether that's to the NFL or off to the next phase of their life. I, I, I would not expect either of those guys to return. Yeah, I'm looking now. Um, Riley Thompson's out of eligibility too. I know we talked special teams before, right? He's so, Ryan weird... Thompson, there Ooh. is a gray area because the NCAA, despite, you know, Australians being in college football for the last 15, 20 However, years, yeah. um, there's still gray area there. But yeah. um, there, I believe, is a chance he can return. The 2022 freshman All-American is now ranked as a senior. Yeah, it, it, it's... Highly, highly confusing of how that whole thing worked out, but I and and don't take that as gospel. But I believe there is a chance he can return. I may have another year. It it really depends on that that school deacon or whatever he went to. Yeah, it's. I know the eligibility over there is always funky because, like, when a punter comes over, it's always like he's a sophomore to start, and it's like, wait, what? Like, yeah, right, exactly, and. um, yeah, so there, there's junior a, to start. There's so. a chance he can return. Um, if not, Penn State looks uh, the way of Alex Paquetta next year. Yeah, and might but actually get, get some punch him. Uh, that would be that would be pretty big. Oh yeah, I think you definitely take it if you can. Um, other than that, I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I know yeah. I asked you for final thoughts before, but any any last things before on maybe OC talk? Um, yeah, um, I would just say in general. Um, I would expect offense coordinator to be named here in the next six days. I, I think you have to have an OC before the transfer portal opens on. I agreed. On the mo- fifth, next Monday. Sixth, whatever it is. Fourth. Jeez, I don't even know what day So next is. Monday, I think you have to have a, an OC named. So that makes sense. <laughs> I'd give James about a week, uh, what, nine days from Friday. If you look from the Michigan State game to the day the portal opens, nine days to really look hard at hires, talk to coaches. So I, I think that would make sense. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, um, if you took advantage of our 75% off sale for Black Friday uh, slash Cyber Monday, thank you for doing so. If you missed that opportunity, no worries. You can go over there, still get our 30-day free trial uh, and check us out. We're going to have plenty of information on Penn State's offense coordinator search. Uh, transfer portal is going to heat up here very soon. Crazy. Um, uh, already 300 FCS names in there. Already 200 Same. FBS names in there. Just off kids who have lost coaches or graduate transfers. Um, so I mean, there's plenty, plenty to be discussed. Recruiting uh, still ongoing. Penn State's 2024 class mostly complete. May have some finishing touches to put on, but. 2025 class is heating up already. And uh, yeah, it's 
it may there is no off season in college there's no off season no there is not um trying to see where uh what was that promo code again for that 30 day free trial i can't find it that is a uh, that's a good uh hvi 30 i believe it was hvi 30 there you go uh took me a minute to find that one yeah, hvi 30 happy valley insider 30 um use it today and you can uh get through 30 days free and uh we have all kinds of scoop on there all kinds of stuff um be sure to check it out uh other than that please hit the subscribe button if you're listening to us on youtube it's free it helps us out helps us um build our brand and if you're listening on one of your um podcasting apps whether it be spotify apple pods google etc 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 give us a rating and a, a follow on there as well it definitely helps us to spread the word and get our podcast to more penn state fans and all of uh all of nittany nation so for uh for me and dylan that's another episode of the penn state 365 podcast signing off